Ross Payton with Role Playing Public Radio. This is RPBR episode 141. D9. Oh, God, sorry. I'm, yeah, you're really... so much times. Yeah, I, I, uh, I almost did it, too. Yeah, it is. this is episode 141, Out of the Can. 141! Uh, 141! Because we're talking about canned adventures, published scenarios. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, and I'm going to be talking about the last six that I ran, which were, you know, Working Group Icarus. Uh, the Delta Green uh, scenarios that I've been posting recently on RPPR. Uh, Deanna, something. Oh, yeah. Where, where nothing bad happened and we all retired yeah. happily. Yeah. Puppies in light. Yeah. Puppies yeah. in light. <laughs> puppies in light. Uh, puppies in light. It was, it was a fun time for all. And so, yeah, we're not doing a proper post-mortem of working group Icarus because the entire campaign was just a framing device so I could run one published scenario after the other. And see how long we last. And see how long it lasts. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, but before that, uh, I do have a bit of news for our PBR. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> uh, it is oh, just gotta stop. I recently got a review copy of a new graphic novel biography of Gary Gygax. Uh, this is called Rise of the Dungeon Master. It's from being published by Nation Books. It's coming out May 9th. Uh, and I read it, and I'll talk more about it in the shoutouts. It was a, it was a, is a Interesting, uh, fun little graphic novel. It not only talks about Gary Gygax's creation of D&D and his life uh, story, it uh, also talks about Dave Arneson, the co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, also talks about explaining what Dungeons & Dragons is, uh, which obviously for us is, and if you're listening to the podcast, you know, old hat. Uh, but, you know, this is the kind of book you would want to hand out to, you know, non-role players that like, here, here's something that kind of explains what our hobby is. Read it at your own peril. Yeah. So when does this book come out? Uh, May 9th. May uh, 9th. May 9th. <laughs> it has a 9 in it. That makes it good. Yeah. So, um, but the reason I bring this up is because they uh, offer to do a giveaway through, with RPPR. Uh, so basically, I'm going to do a little contest, and this is sort of a first for RPPR. So we're going to see how this goes. Uh, basically, if you want to tweet at us, or at me, because I'm the only one here on Twitter. Uh, I have a Twitter. I have a Twitter. Somewhere. You don't have a Twitter. You've never, you've never mentioned it to me. You've never. Uh, I have fo- one. I can go to it right now, Ross. Okay. You, all right. Well. Uh, you want to go to it right now? I will go to it right now. You've literally never brought this up before. Yeah, because I almost never use it. Ex- okay. I so, got it for something specific. Okay. So. Yeah, uh, I had a Twitter account for a grand total of once to pester one of my friends, and then I never saw the point. So you basically it. don't have a Twitter. You're just. And I got mine. It exists. And I got you technically have And I got mine for a furry thing, so you be quiet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm the only one with an actual Twitter account. That oh, you use. actual Twitter oh, account. Yeah, oh, there's oh, actually his use. is real. Yeah, yeah, because I actually use it. As uh, real so as at Ross Payton, data on the internet can be. That I actually look at people who tweet, tweet at me and that kind of thing. Uh, and reply to people who are doing that. Um, and so, uh, basically, yeah. So you can either post in the comments... Or, so to get to the rules of the contest, uh, if you post in the comments of this episode on the, on our website or hashtag D&D RPPR character sheet um, with your favorite D&D character sheet, take a photo of it, scan it, whatever you want to do, of your favorite D&D character sheet, uh, I will pick the top five character sheets that I get. Uh, and I'll also take variants to, you know, any, any D&D ish game you know that that can trace its bloodline back to the you know to the paragon uh bosses and offices yeah uh no that's 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 a little too far um it's not far enough it's not far enough uh i will i will select five by may uh 10th uh and yeah that's 10 and i will uh 
get you guys uh, you, the the top five people get a copy of Rise of the Dungeon Master. So top, that, five. top five, top five. You're that, just, it does. It's not the same. So, it's a re- so to to summarize, the hashtag is D and D RPPR character sheet, uh, or post uh, the link to the image, or post the image here on uh, the show notes on RPPR. Uh, I'll pick the po- top five on May tenth. And then we'll ship those out to you. And or you Nation Books, actually. And then you must pick a door. Door number one. Door no, number two. No, or door yeah. number this is nine. Not a Hall problem. Um, Where do the other doors go? Yeah. You don't want to know. This is literally not a Monty Hall problem, it, which is a whole It's math always thing. a Monty Hall problem. No, Ross. it's not. Yes, it do is. Do you even know what the Monty Hall problem is? I have clues. You have clues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, you're, I mean, you do. Uh, I can't disagree with, with that. So uh, we should probably maybe get to the real topic. You Why not? Wait, wait, wait. There's gate, a topic. Gate, there is wait, a topic. Wait, wait, things here. Yeah. Gate nine. No. Okay. Not. No. Uh, we will do the post. Oh, the other gate. thing. I got you. Yeah, yeah. The topic for this episode. Um. So published adventures. Uh. I've been running a lot of them lately because more than somewhat. Yeah. More than somewhat. Uh. Because Delta Green has a plethora of them. In fact, they have some of the best written published scenarios of any RPG uh that I've ever read. And uh, I you but yeah. you know how much I hate to agree with you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. The Delta Green published ones are pretty awesome. They are they are amazing, and um, I wanted to get them all down. And Archery actually did sponsor this uh, sponsor these episodes because they wanted people to hear what they were like. And so hey, we worked together and we got those out. So um, yeah, Working Group Icarus was just a framing device to get from one published scenario to the other without just recreating new characters each time. Um, but this got me thinking about published scenarios, what I like, what I don't like about them, and we could just have a big old discussion about published adventures. So we should probably get started with just, we'll just go sort of in order, uh, with the first one we did, uh, which was Kaligata, uh, yeah. which, uh, was set in Afghanistan and is essentially a, the, the meat grinder combat focused scenario of them by far. Uh, we got in like, we got into some shit. Yeah. Um, now I this is not there. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, a group of uh, military guys go out to find a missing soldier, and you know, guess what? The missing soldier got into up into some bad mythos things. What? Yeah. that doesn't happen in Delta. We Green. had to, and it ha- does happen in Delta, and we had to terminate his command. Uh, well, spoilers. Um, well, yeah. that you, it's yeah. This come was on, like what? Two months ago? <laughs> uh, yeah, I posted a month ago, so it's more than two months ago. I think I posted last year, so four months ago. So um, no, I'm spoiling this shit. Turns out, yeah, I was surprised. He was selling stuff to them. Makes yeah. you feel better, Ross. You can put a spoiler. <laughs> he was selling magazines to the insurgents. No, he, that actually wasn't. Do you, do you remember that at all? No. All right. Uh, my memory. I don't remember much from that time. <laughs> okay. Ross. So it's distressing. It's a very straight. It's obviously the most straightforward of the all, all of the Delta Green scenarios. Yeah, go here and do mission. Do mission. Um, now, what I my takeaway from this is that. Uh, when you're reading or thinking about running a published scenario, uh, consider each scenario that is published that is written is designed with a specific goal. The author has a goal in mind, uh, and it's not the goal of the, 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 it's not the plot of the scenario. It's like, what does the author want to achieve in the scenario? Like what kind of game does he want to have the, the, the group to have? And in this case, Kaligata, and I know this because I actually know, you know, Shane Ivey wrote this. Uh, and he wrote this to playtest the combat rules for Delta Green. So guess what? It's a very combat-focused scenario. We did fire a few shots. Uh, there were a few, more than a few shots. Uh, and it was also done to test things like explosives, lethality rules, uh, ma- you know, not quite mass combat, but between multiple con- combatants uh, and that kind of thing. And so 
when you're running when you so if you were it, basically yeah my takeaway is it, not every a scenario may be good or may be great but if it's not tr- the kind of experience you want you know you have to be willing to like step away from it um so if i was wanting to run Kaligata but i didn't want a combat scenario i would that, that's kind of impossible. I mean, that's yeah. that it, a scenario cannot be all things for all people. Let's talk our way out of it. Yeah, but it's better, I think, because it knows what it wants to be and just sets out to do that. Some okay. scenarios, the badly written ones, uh, you see this in a lot of like a third party D and D kind of knockoff adventures that try and be a little bit everything to everyone. Like, oh, there's a dungeon call, but there's also mystery and intrigue, and there's role playing, and there's a little bit of this, and there's a little bit of that. And in my experience, the best scenarios are the ones that have a very focused goal in mind the focused experience and they they set out to do that and they don't try to be everything to everyone so i don't know thoughts dan well i was gonna say that would you say that if kaligata was on twitter it would have hashtag shots fired yes yes or, no, no, see ha- i know twitter or, things ross uh, hashtag you could know twitter no, things no, i'm no, just ross. talking about you being on twitter no or, would that, be, active or would that be hashtag condition one yeah so, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of your experience or uh, publishing areas, I mean, disagree, disagree? I mean... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess... Uh, I think, yeah, I was trying to... I, have, I uh, was, did one recently, a uh, D&D module scenario that... Yeah. Uh, Do you remember the name? No, because he didn't tell us... The GM didn't tell us because he didn't want us to research it. Okay. But it... I what think it was... What group was this? Oh, this was... Uh, yeah, this was my. This was the other group. The one, the same one that did uh, the GURPS uh, after the bomb game. Oh, online. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no, not online. We were at my house. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that that group. This was like with oh. Greg and some mm-hmm. of the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I and could, uh, I could see that being. A I was going to say, like, as I, th- I didn't really, I thoroughly didn't enjoy that one, but well, that was really because it was the kind of scenario that it was. It was straight up. Well. I guess if he had told us that it's going to be straight up combat, there's nothing to talk to here. There's. It's just nothing but traps and monsters. Is that so? He did not say that beforehand. He did not say that. Okay. I think maybe if he had said that, well, I think if he had said that, like, do we really have to do this one? Because that sounds boring as shit. Okay. Because I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, combat dynamic combat, like in uh, you know, like Del- well, Kaligata is different, I think, than D and D. I mean, Delta oh, Green combat is so. designed to be different because um, it's 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 quicker. You know, like characters have fewer, like they get taken out of combat quicker. Only a, one, a few attacks are enough to kill well, a character. Yeah, this was like very At most. Well, this yeah. was very crunchy numbers oriented. Yeah. What level combat. were your characters? Ten. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. It was it D and D or was it Pathfinder? It was D and D. Fifth Ed or Third Ed? Because uh, I know it's third. not going to be Fourth Ed. <laughs> no, you know what? No, we were, we were using Pathfinder. Okay. That's right. And uh, it was just it's one of those like it's rolling an egg combat. Right, uh, and I mean the setting was pretty good, but it was you know like a, it was a partially submerged temple. Yeah, and thank Christ, some of us had some magic to help us breathe and or walk on water, or we it would have actually been over very quickly. <laughs> but I really do think yeah, tell us what we're gonna do so we can plan accordingly. Yeah, right. but no, this one was just it was it told is exactly what it said it was gonna be. Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Mismatching between PCs and uh, the scenario yeah, so in Kaligata, uh, there are pregens that come with it, and they're all military guys. So yeah. military again, PCs. Sean and I were playing, and yeah, we couldn't do that. We have to. It can't just be straight up crunchy combat. We've got to have some kind right. of interaction with things. So we were like, we were we designed our characters to talk to each other all the time. But it was one of those like, oh my, I'm running out of snark. Yeah, I, I don't think I can keep doing this. And that was it. Kind of taught me that yeah, you. 
first of all, yeah, if you're going to run a published scenario, tell people about it. Give well, them what a, they can expect from what it. they can yeah. expect. Yeah, because we were just, oh god, and then we were then we were told, all right, so, you know, so we go through two kind of grueling sessions of it. Yeah. Just, just grind. It's more grindy than a MMO. He says, okay, well, we're about a third of the way through. We're like, no, no, we cannot do four more sessions of this. No, <laughs> we finally like we finally said, look, no, we can't do. We are literally running on empty here. He mercifully ended it the next session. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's a that the uh, that's I a good think point. That might also be a larger commentary about knowing your players and knowing what systems <clears throat> that everyone's comfortable with. Because if I were to run, if I were to one day run a straight up Pathfinder game, you and Sean would not be high on my list of people that would want to be in that game. Not because I don't like you guys as players, because you're both fantastic. But I don't see you fitting well with Pathfinder. Well, no, the thing is, no, we, uh, we're fine with some combat as long as there's something else too. Occasionally, that's all this was. We go from, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, oh no, sorry. We go from comp fight to fight, occasionally with a break to search every square inch of a room <laughs> for traps. Yeah, and that is, Sean was the thief, and he at that point he was just, just rolling it. Yeah. He didn't even look at what he rolled eventually. Yeah. But no, I've played games with you. Yes, you run combat exactly like it should be run, but there's also other things. There's characters with personality we can talk to and dinner parties we could go to. You <laughs> love that shit too as much as I do. Yeah, um, and I would even if it weren't in a... Yeah, anyway. Um, but no, this yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's what I took yeah. away from that. Know the scenario you're going to do first. Sure. Uh, and may I match match the scenario, publish scenario with your players. Um, so the next scenario uh, is last things last, uh, which is in Delta Green. Need to know. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Was that the septic tank? That was yep. septic. That tank. was the septic tank. Okay, not saying another uh, word. You my felt- biggest thing was that it, it were two things. One, it's it, out of all the scenarios, it was the shortest uh, in terms of the actual in terms of the uh, material. I mean, sweetness might be fewer pages, but there was more of a plot there. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing, is, I mean, it, it, it's almost more of one encounter than a full scenario. Uh, and, yeah, it's possible if everyone rolls well, yeah. nothing goes wrong, and you just do. If it. you make the right decisions, yeah. It, 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 as but, written, it is basically you do the right thing. All right, you you killed the monster. Yeah. But the point of that scenario I got from the player side is that it's supposed to breed player dissension, like you're. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the thing is, it's also Last Things Last is meant to be an intro, intro, a starter scenario, and it is best used with people who are not intimately familiar with the, uh, we'll, we'll say, tropes of Delta Green. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying, is that, you know, yeah. what to do with the monster should be a sticking, like, if I think that's part of the thing, is like, yeah, it's shorter because there's so much potential for the PCs to just break down in have a standoff against each other about how to deal with the monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, guns could be drawn on each other. Yeah. I exacerbated things I, in order to draw that what? out. What? Really? Yeah. Ross did that? Uh, if I had not done that, then it would have been, yeah. Well, because we all have played enough with you in any Mythos-style game that we were like, oh, yep, that's the monster. Kill it dead. <laughs> There's a book. Go um, read it. So, yeah, or I feel you. out of all the scenarios, I think that's the weakest simply because it is... 
Uh, it has it's a thing. Intro. It can it's an be. Intro. It can be. Well, it's not that it's an intro. That it can be easily and perfectly solved without any, unless you add material to it. Now, that's the thing. Is also, I think the other lesson is uh, the biggest is that feel you. If you see a deficiency in scenario, you should feel free to modify how you want to run that scenario in order to make it better for your group. So. Uh, if you know, for example, your players are really into dinner parties and you can think of a good way to fit a dinner yeah, party into a totally. game, add a dinner party. No, no, um, no. As, as I said, Dan, oh, I would totally play a, D, a Pathfinder game with you. Yeah. Good Running luck it. getting me to run one. Oh, no, yeah. That's the, that, uh, but, okay, any kind of fantasy, D20-ish fantasy type game. We do have a thing to review for Pathfinder. Today. Oh, you oh, you, yeah, quiet. you don't want me to do it, Ross. I'm not. I'm not. Because uh, I've already spoken my piece on it before we started I know, recording. I know, I know. Um, and I, well, we, I just got the, I, I will mention the book, Pathfinder book, but I did, I just got it in the mail today. So it's, we will talk about it in a future episode in more detail. Cause so I can actually read the and thing. I promise to be salty uh, about it then too. Well, well, you can't right. deny the art's amazing. It, the art's amazing. I, I, no one will refute that. Uh, Bestiary 6, by the way. But anyways, uh, back to last things last. Um, if you go online, you can read a lot of discussion of people who have also run Last Things Last, and they talk about some of the things they do to modify the scenario. Be like, oh, what if the monster could possess the corpse of a nearby dead animal because it's in a wilderness, and maybe there's a dead dog or a dead deer or something like that, and then it, you know, so go evil dead too, essentially, on it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that for different groups, I could see that working. Um, or trees. Uh, or trees, or maybe there is a, a normal person there, and there you have to deal with a potential witness without... Uh, that would be more interesting. Yeah. So when you feel like that's the thing is published scenarios obviously are not perfect, even though they're published. And I know this is uh, uh, shocking, um, but feel free to make them your own. Uh, so that was yeah. my thing with last things last. It was at that moment of decision. I just looked for any weakness, in which case it was um, a disorder. I think on Sean's part, Sean's character's part. Uh, but I think some other people too. And just like, Oh, you're, you, this person is, uh, uh, clearly alive and not a monster, so you should stop the other people from, you know, destroying them. They're like, well, uh, no, we have to do our job. Like, then, like, pulls again. Like, no, no, I think we should really, you know, we yeah. should really try to help this person out. Like, yeah. I, or I can kill you. Yeah. You know, just bang, bang. Yeah. So, uh, but even with that, that only added, like, probably 20, 30 minutes of the scenario. Uh, but that was enough. Yeah, it was enough to have a full game out of The other thing, you know, if you, another thing would be to take that and make that the the opening act of another scenario yeah. take another thing and just you know it's easy to frankenstein these things together well yeah like there's a lot of stuff in that scenario that doesn't get resolved by the yeah. end of it that is a jumping point for pretty much any about five or six different directions that you would want to take a working group through yeah um so i feel yeah so that that was my lesson with last things last or the takeaway from it um and also, if you're just running Last Things Last, uh, it is a very short thing. I mean, it's perfect for cons and like demos. Of, like, mm-hmm. here's how the mechanics of Delta Green works. And if you want to run like a sub two hour game, that's perfect. Because it's like, yeah, you go to the thing, it's kind of creepy, and oh, you either made a stupid mis- decision and you all died, or you made the right decision and you all feel weird because you know the screams will haunt your nightmares forever. Uh, but you know, hey, but hey, welcome to Delta Green. <laughs> welcome to Delta Green. That's going to be the most mild thing that'll happen yeah, to you. No one you. retires. Well, uh, <laughs> no one uses the retirement package. People get retired. Uh, so let's see here. Sometimes uh, it's just the double dose of lead behind the ear. The nine millimeter retirement. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's never going to be Boca Raton. 
next up was Sweetness, uh, which is a Dennis Detwiller one, I believe. Which was probably my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Sweetness is also the one I most heavily modified because another thing uh, you can do, this is not a formally published scenario uh, in that it has, it's a nice thing you can buy at DriveThruRPG. It's on Dennis Detwiller's Patreon, and he has it as essentially a five-page uh, PDF, plain text PDF. There's no art. There's just like, here's the thing. And I sent him detailed notes on that after I ran. It's like, what? I had questions. And I emailed him, like, hey, what's this? What's this mean? What about this? And, like, and he sent me, like, that's the first thing is one, uh, RPG scenario writers are usually really easy to get a hold of. Uh, so if you have a question, just email or tweet at them or whatever. Uh, and you well, can- you're saying that they're will- happy to talk about their creations? Yeah. Wow. That they're Usually. like projects of love and passion and mm-hmm. that they're excited that other people are interested in it? Yeah. What uh, kind of hobby is this, Peyton? <laughs> You've uh, changed Hollywood. Even if you can't get a hold of the scenario writer, you know, for example, if it's a really old one um, or like, something Go like to that. the RPG.net forums. Like, Has anyone heard of this? Yeah. Uh, or Has anyone uh, heard of Tomb of Horrors? Something Awful as a trad game forum. Uh, Ian World, obviously. There's a, there's a lot of RPG messages. You have choices. You have choices. So Google that up. Uh, you can probably find it. So get help if you want. If you need the help, internet is not just for porn, guys. <laughs> or cat <laughs> pictures and cat pictures. Yeah. Well, he just said porn. Oh, anyways. Uh, oh, was that was that directed at me? Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Ross. <laughs> uh, I was actually double entendre because you know. Well, that was a multiple entendre. Yeah, it was a multiple entendre. Multiple um, entendre. So all the entendre. Uh, the other thing is obviously um, feel free. I also modified it as written several times. Partially from the feedback I got from Dennis, uh, and partially just for what I wanted to do for the scenario. Um, and I actually ran it again for the Patreon, and it had different results. Um, because for one thing, the players... Uh, it's actually... That's one of the other takeaways. It's fun running the same scenario more than once with different groups, because they can go so differently. It's really cool. If you're a GM and you get a chance to do that, I highly recommend running, getting to run the same scenario for multiple groups and see how they uh, react. That was probably the one positive experience I had when I ran White Forest four times at Gen Con. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. That was, that was your scenario, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. maybe one day I'll get around to bundling it with some other scenarios and trying to get them published, but... You could just do one scenario at a time. I mean, like, a direct PDF thing would be fine. Like, I mean... Yeah. So, something to think about. But anyways, go on. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Is that the you, you never really get around to using 100% of the material in the 100% exact way every time, because that's one of the wonders of role-playing, is the fact that you have a bunch of different personalities that are sleeving into another set of personalities mm-hmm. and then trying to interface with this world that you're making and you're making mm-hmm. come alive and you're not going to you're not going to hit the exact same thing twice ever yeah um you know one of the things uh, and if you are hitting the exact same thing multiple times you probably need to reevaluate how you run games <laughs> uh yeah it should be a, it should be a sort of chaotic nonlinear yeah. experience actually that reminds me of like a pitfall i've seen some people do running published games particularly yeah. is they feel they have to use 100% of everything in that scenario that's true and at that point that almost becomes like an on rails shooter like like no we have to, we have to go to this spot next like why like, why because we... reasons, Tom. Because reasons. Because go. it's number five on the list, Tom. Like, yeah. It's, Respect it's, the it list, comes after, Tom. It comes after four. Yeah. There uh, are monsters But you know what comes Tom. before ten? <laughs> you're going to start in the top left of the town and work your way to the bottom right, you know, and you're just going to hit so, every uh, single number on there. And But what comes yeah. after eight? Yeah. 
11. Anyways, um, no, actually. It does come after that, but, it, it, but before, uh, before 10. There, there were a couple of numbers. Uh, well, there 8. were a couple 7? of things, yeah. That is true. Um, for example, Ian Sweetness. Uh, and you guys, when you guys played it, the way I had read the scenario, it seemed the basically the best way to find out that there was something you know supernatural and evil going on was to stake out the house and watch it at night. Uh, and I just assumed you guys were going to do that, but you didn't. Nope, we did <laughs> so not. Even I, I thought I was hinting quite strongly that you know, but I didn't want to outright make you do it, like say, "Oh, you should stake the place out." I didn't want to say it. Uh, and you guys never like did it, so but like, then how would Shinchenko try to hide his borderline alcoholism or yeah. borderline personality disorder and alcoholism? Yeah, in front of a wealthy family. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, so I had to come up with other ways to get you onto the because the way the scenario is written is there's very uh, there's a very narrow there aren't many ways to actually find out what's going on. There's only so many things. I actually added a couple of things in there, like the child, the child's drawing. I think I put that in your run of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that was that was another addition. I you know again feel free to add stuff. Um, I also added the the stuff the forensic stuff about the uh, uh, goo used to written write the symbol on there and the missing animals. That was my addition to the scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not in the published notes, but it seemed pretty apparent. Um, if you remember that I wasn't clear where the fire was set, that was because that's not in the public. Because, again, it's it's a rough draft of the scenario. Um, but the second group, I, I the people I ran for the Patriot, they are like, oh, yeah, we should take the place out at night and see what happens. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Horrible things. And they see the shadow creature. And then they're like, oh, well, let's get our guns out and go, you know, go deal with that. Well, that didn't turn out great for them. Um, what, <laughs> what are you saying? Shadow creatures don't react well to bullets? Yeah. Um, they also, uh, both groups did manage to get up to Chicago to find the perpetrator. Uh, oh. You guys just showed up at the perp's apartment and, you know, you guys kind of saw what happened. Uh, they basically made it, tried to meet her. They actually arranged to meet with her and like, oh, you're, you're former Delta Queen. We need some information on in case you worked. You're like, oh, yeah, I trust you. And she basically set up a, uh, a bomb in a house that they were supposed to meet at and blew them up because, <laughs> you know, she's not all right in the head. Um and so, she, yeah, it was great. Well, she mm. went a little funny in the head. Well, yeah. That's yeah. why the retirement plan for Delta Green is a 9mm. So uh, I added some other materials to it. So um, that's the thing. is you, you, One thing is also the, uh, the main thing from Sweetness is um, you're not going to be able to – the author isn't going to be able to anticipate every single angle. Uh, and so you have to be ready to fill in the blanks because your players are going to go on some place that you know the author hasn't quite figured out. They're going to go in some marked area. Like, oh, what about these these dead animals, or what about this thing? And well, you're not supposed to go over there. Like, like there's no fence. Yeah, can't say we can't. It, it's like in a video game where you like you're in a building and there's a hallway, but there's like a there's like a couch or a box blocking the way and you could you in real life you'd be able to step over the box but it's like there's an invisible wall around the box you know like, if, what kind of box is this yeah exactly uh you it's need a to box be full of unobtainium <laughs> yeah and so in video games they just have these invisible walls because they can't make the the level as big as the real world uh, they have limit, but in the RPG, it is you should be able to go anywhere and do anything. Someone hasn't played enough Skyrim. Uh, well, even Skyrim, there's invisible walls. Um, You're an invisible wall. Okay, all right, fair. Uh, oh, so. mega burn! <laughs> yeah, fist bump. Fist bump. Okay. Uh, so 
you need to be able to fill in those. You need to have as few as invisible walls as possible. Uh, and I smell burning Peyton. Yep. Because he was burned. <laughs> yep. Uh, next up, uh, speaking of burned, uh, Star Chamber, because... I uh, was not in that one. You were not in that one. Uh, Tom, you were. Fuck that one. <laughs> really? No, it's not because I don't like it. It's because what we had to do. Really? Please, please, explain. Well, you know what? Uh, you, know you know what we do a lot? You know, uh, you know the whole murder hobo thing? Mm-hmm. You know what's great about that? Usually with the whole murder hobo thing, there's very few consequences for our actions. <laughs> okay. Or what we're killing is orcs or, you know, exurgents. Sure. Which are like, oh, we can massacre them. Do, 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 shoot, yeah, shoot, yeah. shoot. This is one where we're literally deciding the fates of, an, of another team who may or may not be, be lying or telling us the truth or crazy. And we know that they're leaving it up to us to decide whether they live or die. Yeah. And we can't say, uh, well, we're, that one's inconclusive. Yeah. No, we. It has to be a yay or nay. You have to decide. Yeah. Where over here, who lives, who dies. Yeah. Over here, we have may actually be compromised and a threat to humanity. Over here, we have if we're wrong, we're shooting a fellow agent in the face. Yeah. And it's one of those like when that's the entire when that's not just you know a little a, a moment that can happen, but literally the purpose of the entire campaign. It's like. Uh, really? So you were really, uh, this was really um, intense for you, it sounds like. like. You know, my character's notwithstanding, I'm a pretty empathetic guy. Yeah. And I was feeling it. Oh, wow. And I, I, was, no I was like, oh, these, yeah, I was like, I don't want to, that's why I could never be a spy. Okay. So I, it really, I, I ne- it really never, made some angst for you. Yeah, I could never make those kind of decisions. Wow. I, like, I'm like, can you just please be an orc? <laughs> Please, ah, shades of gray. No, ah, I, I want, I want, I want. Which is actually why I, you know, to me, the best war movies are yeah. never. Or it's not Lord of the Rings, where oh, we can slaughter hundreds of them and not worry. Yeah, it's oh God, I'm killing a person. Yeah, yes, maybe he was trying to kill me, but he's suffering in pain when I if I just wound him. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> if I wound him in this jungle, what fate have I conscribed him to? Um, so one thing is, yeah, Star Chamber, um, was a very challenging scenario for me to run. Um, it's, it's long, it's like 36 pages, mm-hmm. um, and I read it several times to make sure I got it right. Yeah, and it's one of the, it's one of the few games I got distinctly uncomfortable, not because, you know, not because I'm not liking the campaign, it's mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable with what I have to do. Okay. And there's a difference, you know. Okay. Yeah. So basically, this is basically for me. Every time we run Delta Green, I'm going to have... I mean, another campaign, there's going to be have to another Star Chamber. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're basically which saying, is actually we what, need more... Which is why, like, yeah. when we did the next one, we got back to a monster, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. or Ross is just going to let Caleb know what's going on. He's like, hey... Have another have a star chamber event in your next campaign for Tom. Oh, oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> you need more star chambers like all the time. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's probably what you're getting <laughs> from me. No, but I'm saying uh, that's why it worked. It, yeah. At the same time, I wanted to see this through, but it was I was it was like it was those decisions you really actually have to think about. Yeah. Uh, now, he, the Star Chamber is written by Greg Stolze, uh, who is that he, explains a lot. That explains a lot. He's also the guy who wrote Unknown Armies. You know, legendary game designer. Uh, so that's a, one of the things I want to bring up is one published scenarios the best ones if you are worth the effort like they're so worth the effort like you because 
Uh, yeah, I could have tried come up with something like this on my own, but uh, why replicate efforts when you know Greg? Greg, so he, he would do it better than me anyway. Um, He's like, excuse oh, me, sir, so could you make a scenario to destroy my soul? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I can. Stolz would be like, what are you talking about? I've got six right here, and Detweller's got a, like a dozen more in his. Chamber. Yeah, people always talk about Dennis Detweller's scenarios being nihilistic, but again, Greg Stolz wrote Star Shape. Uh-huh. Like, he, I mean, he could crush it. Ooh, man. Uh, there are actually some I mean, of the unknown army scenarios. Yeah, here. dude, you can just bound in like, yeah. "Hey, Mister Solzy, I'm feeling too happy. Can you help? Like, have a seat, son. Let me see what I can do for you. Uh, like, you want to kill yourself yet? Yes, sir, I do. Thank you." <laughs> so yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from uh, Star Chamber is that it's worth the effort uh, to go above and beyond and do these sort of like unusual premise, uh, you know, non-standard premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Delta Green. Sorry. It's all well and good to investigate the supernatural, but there's also the unlovely spy stuff mm-hmm. you have to do. Oh uh, yeah, so Dan. Sorry, I was just gonna say it's like that's. No, oh, no, I lost it. Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Ah, uh, Tom. Jesus. I am uh, a monster. That's what that game did to me. It made me a monster. Uh, In addition, well, Ross yeah. did too, but. Uh yeah. Well, so, uh, the other thing is obviously when you're running a scenario like that, as complex as Star Chamber, um, you do your homework ahead of time. Uh, it's oh your, yeah. It, oh, it, that was the comment. That's a, yeah. That's a scenario you don't want to sputter in. Yeah. Because I was reading, like, I haven't listened to that scenario, but I was reading the comments, and the comments consensus was like, it felt like that there was some kind of disjointment, especially as listening to it. I yeah. guess. Um, and I don't know, like that feels like a scenario I'd want to run like four or five times just to get comfortable with it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is I don't have four or five other, I mean, we have a great group here at RPPR, but I can't just run the same scenario for the same players over and over. Right. Yeah. But that's the the thing is I think that's the one weakness of that scenario is that if you're not used to running it in that structure. Yeah. It's gonna feel awkward, and it may not pay off the well as well as you thought it might. That's right. There, there is the expectation games. Um, so there, it is. It is. It is. I mean, it's a challenge. I think it's worth going above and beyond. Not maybe not all the time, but like, yeah. And you, oh, yeah. you'll Sorry, get it better. Was defi- it was definitely worth. It. Yeah. Um, I I will be running a observer effect is also similarly complex, and uh, we will. I'll be running that at Gen Con for Arc Dream. Um, I might run it for Patreons at some point, uh, or in Star Chamber as well. I might set up my own Star Chamber. You know, might just have another case, same premise, mm-hmm. alternate. I mean, like that's the thing is, it's a, it's an entirely different structure of a scenario. Yeah. So you could you could come up with different cases uh, for it. So you could uh, have that be an entire campaign of just. Star Chamber after Star Chamber after Star that Chamber. That would eventually... I think I think that, that, yeah. that would lose its novelty. You would have to have some variation. But I think a couple of okay. them. Uh, yeah, I do think if it's... Like maybe every other... Well, maybe every third or fourth If there's nothing about that, I would eventually just... Oh, we have to decide someone's fate today. All right, let's get yeah. to this. Um, like a lot of people that work in that type of job. Yeah, that's true. I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. those are why they stay... The, that's why you, the experts in that field are truly terrifying. <laughs> because they've gotten to the point where like, they can decide someone's fate without batting an eye. Uh, They're terrible people. No, whoa! Just the entire legal profession just gets slammed. Just I know. Well, no, the ones that could decide to kill someone without thinking about it. Uh, well, I mean, outside of soldiers in the battlefield, uh, that's pretty much judges. Insert and random political comment here. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not really how the judicial system works here. You know, uh, there's a whole lot of checks and balances about killing people. I just love killing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Anyway. Um, 
So, uh, Dan, uh, you want to talk about Night of Disillusion, right? At some point? At or, some point, but, yeah. Just, okay, let's get, let's get Delta Green done. All right. Um, so, the next one we did was Future Perfect, uh, part one, actually. There's actually three parts total, uh, which could be a whole mini campaign. Uh, and I'd actually run Future Perfect Part 1 years and years and years ago, actually, but even before I did RPPR, like 2006, something like that. Um, and so I, but they revised it for the new Delta Green edition. Like they revised the stats of the characters and whatnot. Um, and so I ran for you guys. Uh, first off, do you guys have any thoughts on it? Death Valley, you know, were you in that one? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Was that the one with the, di- with the totally not dinosaur? Yeah, it was a dinosaur. Well, you got to hunt a dinosaur. You tried to. to I tried to hunt a dinosaur, but we didn't see each other. Yeah. So I, I, yes, that part of the scenario did make me smile. Where I'm just like, I'm like, come on, you. You're uh, both trying to clever girl each other. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) and I imagine the dinosaur's like, come on, you tasty morsel. And then both of us at the same time, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Just we're. You know, forget it. You're like two ships passing in the night who have also never met. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I honestly, that's all. I, I remember the water. Yeah. And I remember the uh It's a it's a pretty standard like go here investigate thing. Mm-hmm. Um I did love the uh like and you're here, totally dry now. <laughs> yeah. Like how did that happen? Yeah. Uh yeah, I was adding elements. I, I also think that was yeah. was that the one where uh I think uh Sean's character like I was killed only, everyone <laughs> you know, and again. Well he, that's when he I think that's when he told me like listen uh if I ever really start if you ever see me going, I I want you to be able to kill me I'm like, okay. Yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> well, he hadn't, he hadn't gone that far. Yeah, as well, far as I knew. As far as you knew. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was adding... Well, yeah, if the dead could talk, I would have ganked him right there. Yeah, but. I was adding elements um, because I'd read ahead for Observer Effect, and I kind of figured that, like, I had worked in my own twist to Observer Effect, uh, that, you know, obviously Sean's character is being manipulated. Yeah. And actually, I, was, I got a little disappointed in that one because it's like, it seems like a scenario where a bunch of military training could really do good. And I didn't get to do much with it. Yeah. That's just not how it panned out. Um, yeah. Probably what parts two and three or four. Parts two and three are actually could be standalone. Like they, they have a plot hook. Like you investigate an element from part one. Like you investigate the old technology company. Yeah. Um, and that leads to that. And then in part three, uh, a plot. And that's part two. And part three, uh, you investigate another lead that, go from, that you get from part two. So the stories are all connected, but you could run any one of them independent of the other. So the, like the stories basically stand alone. Um, so for me, it's one that the, the, there's a, like a lot of these investigation scenarios in Delta Green is that there's a very narrow chain of clues that could lead to a resolution. It's mm-hmm. and there and a lot of them are missable. Um, you could just not figure out what's going on at all. And just, yeah, that's pretty much what happened mm-hmm. in that one yeah. a lot. Um, Which is fine. Yeah, you don't always like. That's well, you actually got. You actually did find the time portal, and well, uh, sometimes uh, mercifully, you don't <laughs> figure things out. Uh, I did. Uh, the time portal was uh, a death trap. Um, I did. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think I altered probability for that, uh, but I did. Was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what you yeah. did was is you let Sean translate it, and you gave. And everybody at that point was implicitly trusting him. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, you you can kind of uh, edge things along if you want a certain path, but you know, let them let 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 things go the way they should. Um, it it's 
An interesting scenario, but yeah, it's kind of a um, kind of the run of the mill for a Delta Green scenario. I feel you know, kind of like a, a middle. Like if it was a TV show, this would be like a middle of the season kind mm. of episode. Um, so uh, and that takes us to the the season finale, uh, the campaign finale, Observer Effect, um, and that is as written, pretty much a campaign ender. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even if you did not have Sean's character going off the deep end, it, it's pretty. It's written to be very easily TPK. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I believe is what yeah. happened. Yeah. And so, again, this is knowing what your scenario is before you head in. Don't don't run. So that's why I ran it at the end. Yeah, no, uh, that, that worked just fine. Yeah. I will say, though, the structure that gave me plenty of opportunity for catharsis, Ross, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and, again, it has an unusual scenario structure. Mm-hmm. And you certainly wouldn't want to uh, that the novelty of that scenario. You would not want to uh, replicate multiple times. But it's one of those reward challenging scenarios uh, that is, I think, worth the effort of reading through and understanding. And basically, what I do when I find a scenario like that and I, I want to run it is that I read through it multiple times and kind of sort of mentally rehearse, like, okay, from here to here, this is how this is going to go. This is probably how this is going to happen. And then I just kind of like sort of just prepare myself, you know. So it it takes as much effort as writing a scenario on my own, really. And um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. So well, that scenario as written is structured to adapt. Yeah, your players will adapt to the information that you give them and will run it in a completely different way and, and still really die. Yeah. And I, and that's a, that's a challenge for my end is that I have to be ready for. It. I don't yeah. know how exactly this adaptation is going to go. What are you saying? We keep you on your toes. Yeah. Um, and again, Delta Green is designed to be like there's only it's not certain investigations. It's practically impossible to miss the thing. But Delta Green, it's designed to from the start to be like this. There's one chain of events that you could follow to resolve a scenario. If you don't follow that exact chain of events, it's basically very hard or impossible to uh, save the world. solve the mystery. Well, or maybe not save the world, but at least find out what's you know killing people or postpone the inevitable. For yeah, postpone the inevitable essentially. So um, I rolled my eyes at that for, for entirely other reasons. <laughs> That's fair. Um, that it? We're just trying to we're trying to move the goalposts a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 Delta Green has a high high standard of writing for scenarios. Um, I felt out of all of them, probably Future Perfect One was the weakest. Uh, but that's you know more because Star Chamber is so great and uh, Sweetness as you know with a few modifications. I mean, Sweetness is probably going to be rewritten, revised, and published. As but a it's really good. It's very yeah. solid. It gives. Like, one of the things that tends to get missed in Delta Green that, like, traditional Call of Cthulhu or Trail of Cthulhu tends to hit on is the human aspect of how yeah. the mythos impacts people mm-hmm. in their everyday lives. And Sweetness did a really good job of bringing that home. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good point. I mean, you can actually – these are both written by Detweller, uh, but Future Perfect was written, you know, 2005, 2006, and Sweetness was written by him, like, last year. So you can see mm-hmm. how his own – like, he, Future Perfect is just a series of events. Mm-hmm. That are random or seeming they have a chain of events, but there's no emotional resonance to them. It's just bad things happening to people. Um, and in Sweetness, the care, the action is driven by humans who are desperate and trying to get some sort of emotional uh, need met. And guess what? They find the mythos, and it you know basically blows up in their face. Well, it gives it meets that need, but at what cost? Yeah, which, like, surprise mythos. Which yeah. you know as. As our society gets closer and closer to understanding substance abuse, 
that's re- that hits home really hard mm-hmm. for a lot of people that have struggled with that. Yeah. Is that this thing that is meeting my need is slowly destroying me, but that's okay because I'm getting my needs met. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That That's a really good point. So, um, I f- so when you're looking for a scenario to run, um, even and so taking it outside of Delta Green, f- if you can find, for example, a D and D type adventure, dungeon crawl adventure, if you can find one where <laughs> it's not like uh, the bad guys are in a temple, go kill them. It's like the bad guy is trying to do something, you know, uh, re- resurrect his dead wife, or he's trying to get revenge on someone who wronged him, you know, and you know that person who wronged him, and you're his friend, so you're trying to protect your friend from being killed, and they, but you find out your friend was a bastard, you know, when he was younger or something like that. That's suddenly a lot more interesting than just like, oh, bad guy's doing a bad thing, we should stop him. Um, so that that can kind of inform. Or and, and these and sometimes you can take a published scenario and just add that kind of emotional resonance uh, by like taking oh bad guy doing a bad thing well let's give him a new motive you know because that doesn't change how the dungeon is laid out mm-hmm. it just changes uh, why he's doing it or it's uh, gonna change your mindset when you go in yeah exactly maybe like well yeah that yeah my friend wronged you but you know I really he's still my friend or just or then going or we we have to kill this person I yeah. mean no there there's no no other option yeah they have to die. So could we torture them first? I would love to do that. So yeah, again, I think the biggest thing my takeaway from all these is feel free to make these these published scenarios are not a hundred percent complete. You know, the, everything a, yeah, everything needs some customization, and they're not a contract. You don't have to do everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so yeah, speaking of D and D type adventures, do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, my experience with pre-published scenarios was my largest experience with it was probably way back in the day before we recorded things. Yeah, and I ran Tolis's Tolis, and I ran Night of Dissolution in the setting. And I know people get tired of me talking about Tolis, but it's a really well structured book. I don't yeah. care what you say about having city demographics and detailed <laughs> information. Well, yeah. no, urban adventures are good. Like yeah. that's when you're wanting to have an urban adventure and you didn't design the city yourself. Having that in the back of your mind helps bring it to life. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the. Adventure is for fourth to ninth level, and there's another adventure, um, Enter the Bane Warrens, that's not set necessarily in Tolis proper. It could easily be set anywhere else um, with some modifications, and it actually says that. And there's actually a recommendation that you could weave the two adventures together and make a super adventure and make, expand the campaign and up the difficulty curve, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and I've tried to run through it twice, once with mostly the RPPR crew, and I did some things, and I fell into the trap of run everything, hit every point in the book, use mm-hmm. 100% of the material. And that worked, but that was also because everyone was like, oh, we're here for a D&D dungeon crawl, dungeon no, yeah, crawl, you told, dungeon Yeah, I remember crawl. you told us. Yeah. This is going to be a dungeon that crawl. That almost rhymes. You told us about Tolis. Yeah. Hey-o. Oh, huh. what? Uh, the second time I run ran it was it was pretty. It you know, spoiler alert for those of you that were doing the Patreon game that the Patreon backers game that I was running. That's what I was doing. I was running it a second time, um, but this time I was taking a lot of liberties with it because one, I'd already run it once before, so I was a lot very familiar with it, and two, I realized that there were some things that I didn't need to keep. Like I yeah. could cut things pretty well at whim, but. The problem I had with that adventure both times 
is that two of the adventures linchpin on a morality pet. And you have to sell the morality pet. And I have yet to make that work because eventually I just had to tell the players, you just, you, you just care about this kid, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sorry, we're murder hobos. I don't know if I'm capable of that. No, the thing is you have to figure, like, the the problem with that scenario is, is uh, you're forcing a particular morality pattern. Right. Uh, players do get morality pets, but everyone has their own. You know, if it was like a robot, you know, and Aaron would have like killed a thousand people for it. If it was a tiny monster or a ghoul, Tom would have killed, would have been feeding him orphans. And if Caleb was in that game, I would just replace the kid with Fupa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feline Undead Parliament. Like, you'd be like, I will kill anybody in the universe for this. Um, yeah, exactly. So we, you just. We, we all have our things. You, so if you don't have that freedom to manipulate it to your. To what you want it to be, then you know that. that, that yeah, is. and at the time, I just couldn't figure out something to replace it with that would make sense. Yeah, because like the one of the scenarios is the kid helped you out and you exposed cultists, and they're like, "Well, this is a burned asset, but let's take him and Cthulhu tech the shit out of him into a monster." Yeah, and you have to want to go save him because part of the other part of the meta plot is also there. Can we save him after he becomes a cool monster? That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, like, yeah. C- c- can we do that? Mr. I will G-Sir? say though, as yeah. far as morality pets go, and now that I'm thinking about it, I should have done it. Both of those adventure, both of those parties, um, when they ran through the first adventure, Pythonis House, like everyone saves the cobbled man. Yeah, like, I don't know if I just did a really great job of making him a sad, tragic creature, and everyone's like, "Aw, yeah." See, there you go. Yeah, make it, make it. Yeah, right. like, yeah. It's like if somebody had broke into your base and stole the cobbled man for that one adventure, you guys like, would be like, "Oh hell no, we're gonna burn this whole city to the ground till we find him." Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like you're like I don't know why, but yeah, it's like you with the lieutenant. We just latched onto the little guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, right, it's like, hi, Ross. Yeah, you have to do him forever now. Yeah. <laughs> if you kill him, we will never forgive you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you, you uh, that, that, yeah, that's just a gaming thing where you just have to figure out what your uh, uh, the emotional levers of your player. And if you know your group, you can you can yeah. you can play those like a piano. Uh, that's not yeah. So and again, publishing errors obviously can't cut, anticipate. They can't anticipate that. So you kind of have to modify things. Um, so, but if you want to take the more fast and loose approach, like we'll go into yeah. the next published. I mean, you know, some of the advantages of published scenarios, again, are like things like Star Chamber, where they have time and multiple people looking at them to where, like, you have two sets of characters, you have all these handouts, and so you have this multi – and they're gonna, there are all these connections between these various yeah. – because um, in Star Chamber, you not only role play as the judges, you role play as the people who are being I mean, investigated. My guy was dead. And you do flashbacks to show what happened, at least in certain versions of the story, and – there are all these complexities within them because they've had writers and editors looking at this and, you know, thinking back on this that you're not going to do by yourself as a informal scenario that you just write a note. So uh, that's the strength. And in D&D games, like with Night Dissolution, you have these nice maps. You have everything. It, t- it does a lot of the work for you. You have all these statted out things and mm-hmm. they can have like, oh, you see this guy is a little bad guy, but he's figured out this cool trick you can do with this spell in this room. You know, he added, uh, he threw some oil down and so he'll cast Flaming Sphere and set the whole room on fire. And then he'll close the doors and that'll suck all the oxygen out of the room. Uh, you know, or something like that. And so it's like, there are all these clever things that... Quick, make note of that for the 13th age <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. And you and as when you're home writing, you know, 
you're just not spending as much time on that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. you might think of one or two of those things, but they're just adding more and more stuff. Um, and of course, the other thing is you can you can always mine publish scenarios for certain elements. Like again, that one encounter, you could plop it into your you know what one cave you're thinking of. Now, Delta Green, that's harder to do, obviously, because they're all like here. Like you can't just throw in. You can't uh, wedge another block into that conspiracy. Yeah. Now, you can do it at the beginning and the end. Like, last thing's last, I think, is more module than others. But mm-hmm. that's sort of the exception. That's the only one that would work as part of another scenario. Um, like, for example, last thing's last, if at that cabin there was a link to sweetness in there, like, oh, you know, maybe that guy was investigating something right until he died. And be like, oh, my God, you know, like, he found the the the, the lead showing this. He was looking into one last case and like, oh, he's dead now of a heart attack. Well, let's go. Pick up where he left off. And he could have been investigating like what was going on with that family because he may have been a partner to the other investigator. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. And so like he he thought something was going to go off and he wanted to let the Delta Green know, but he wasn't going to go to them until he had something concrete. Right, because he, he wanted to make sure – because he felt loyal to her or something. Yeah. So that's one example um, of – Tying things together uh, or manip- modifying them to suit your own needs. Um, now, you 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 also mentioned like uh, when we we're uh, well, when the parent papers, which are yeah, like, that. like yeah. I like you just said, I mind the crap out of that. Yeah, like I'm because like, that's a, that's a source book, not a formal adventure. Like, well, the way the way the source book is written is that there are adventures in it if you mine it and pull them out. Yeah, uh, which is why it's such a really it's a great source book. It doesn't really force any adventure down your throat, but it gives you so many options. And I yeah. feel that that's it. Kind of meets you halfway. It's yeah. not it's not a fully written adventure, but it it does a, lo- a lot of the legwork so that you don't have to make up everything from scratch. Yeah, it let me tie in Baba Yaga pretty well. Yeah, um, it also allowed me to run it not in Springfield and actually have like a supernatural. Without it didn't forced me to put as much effort in developing another supernatural area that wasn't Chicago. Yeah. And it, but it still let me run with it and keep pace with the campaign itself. Yeah. Uh, one thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, a lot of newer supplements do that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's always been those kind of campaign books, but like, uh, if you look at a lot of what Pelgrin's doing with like Armitage files and Dracula dossier, they like, here's a template to make a campaign with, you know, you choose what it's like a recipe, choose this, this, and this, mm-hmm. um, 13th age does that too. Actually. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about the stone thief. Uh, and they, so there's mineable elements in the stone thief and some of their other things. Um, so yeah, we just need to find people that will play it, Ross. I'll run it. <laughs> I'll run it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a discussion off the podcast. Um, so yeah, any any final thoughts on publisher ventures? I mean, again, it's it's uh, if nothing work. if nothing else, just reading publisher ventures gives you ideas for your own yeah. stuff and like gives you a sense of like what kind of pacing things to do. Um, yeah. Well, do your homework, number yeah. one. Well, it's like in Tom, like what you said when we were you know, plotting out this episode. Was that you know playing in someone else's sandbox? Yeah, yeah. You take extra care because like I'm playing with someone else's toys right now. See, I do the opposite. I'm like I'm going to smash the shit out of this. <laughs> I like destroying other people's sandboxes. And uh, to me, I'm just more comfortable doing my own. No, yeah. I just always have been. Uh, well, I mean, the majority of stuff I've written or run has been my own material as well because, uh, but because we're awesome. Um, I like reading, running other people's adventures because I get to see how another. Ga- I mean, for me as a game designer, that's how I get to see other game designers think and work and run scenarios because even the way they write them is different. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg Stolze writes adventures very differently than Dennis uh, Detweiler. They'll uh, still break. They'll who, still break your soul. Yeah. 
Uh, but in different ways. Oh, know? in different ways. And, yes. you know, seeing Stolte De- will that, shatter it. Yeah. Detwiller will, like, just crunch it. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I crush it into a soul singularity? Um, yeah. You know, and just thinking, the, uh, and just seeing how flatten it out uh, with the history lesson. <laughs> uh, you know, I, actually, I need to have Glancy ri- run uh, an actual Delta Green scenario for me because I think all like he ran a Conoclast, but we were literally ISIS terrorists in that one. So uh, I don't think I've yeah, it's always been World War One Cthulhu thing. So I need to I need to go bug him about that. Um, but you can see their approach over time, uh, how it changes, and uh, you know, again from. Future perfect to sweetness, for example, um, as one example. But yeah, it, it, it's it's just interesting to to see how other people run adventures or write adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're if you're in and as a player, it's actually useful to read them if if it's something you know the GM is going to be writing because then you can get ideas because a lot of times they'll have like plot hooks for player characters like oh this guy could be a bad guy for me you know um, or you can see especially if you're interested in a setting. Like, if you're interested in the Pathfinder setting, like, read their their mm-hmm. adventure paths have a lot of... Uh, I will say, Skulls yeah. and Shackles is pretty good. Yeah, exactly. They they tie everything in. Um, and if you're interested in Delta Green, reading Delta Green scenarios also gives you an idea of how to investigate Delta Green st- things. Like, what kind of... How you should be a paranoid supernatural investigator. Investigator of the supernatural. I think if I did that, it would ruin the charm of Delta Green for me. Well, if it's, if it's new material, like, the thing is... Um, I don't think it would. Well, I, 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 I mean, God's teeth was not ruined for me because I read a bunch of published scenarios beforehand. Well, I'll say it's like it has more to do with my thing is that you know if I had read like I intentionally don't read any of the mythos or the Lovecraftian mm-hmm. works because you guys run it so much. I want it to be novel. Okay. So I think one of the things Delta Green is doing now, the new Delta Green, one of their big pushes of their uh, upcoming. Case officers book, which is the GM guide for it, is making the Delta is making the mythos new. So like taking the existing stuff uh, and making it new. Like I've I've been trying to do that myself. Uh, like recently, I ran a Patreon game uh, where people were UFOologists looking. Someone told, "Oh, there's a UFO that crashed in the woods. Come and check it out." Okay, and the players like were all big Lovecraft fans, and they didn't guess what the actual entity was because I I basically uh, made it my own and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, no spoilers. Go to our YouTube channel to listen well, to I mean, it. It's also good occasionally yeah. you stuff people recognize. Um, well, yeah, occasionally. But like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it depends on the genre. Yeah, I've had people say, it was so good to see a regular Deep One scenario in Shanghai. Uh, yeah, I mean... But yeah, I think I mean it depends. Like in D anD D, like oh, that's a rust monster, you know that can because yeah. that doesn't make it less dangerous. Like oh shit, I've got a bunch of magic items and now I've got to like protect not, my shit. Got to protect my shit. Uh, or get naked and wrestle a rust monster. All right, you know? tear your shirt off and uh, yeah, exactly. But so. well, what if you get barbecue sauce on your shirt, Ross? Oh god, uh, <laughs> just because I talk about the Alex Jones custody trial at uh, on the group me doesn't mean like we have to bring it up now because it's tainted. Let's take the high road. Yeah, let's take the high road. Uh, so when we get back, we will have uh, shout-outs and anecdotes. Good night! And we're back. Gate nine. Gate nine. I might have some dungeon synth as the music for this. That's a whole. You know, there's synth wave. There's dark synth wave. There's now dungeon synth. 
Um, that's a that's a genre. Well, it's nice hanging out with you guys tonight. It's not vaporwave. It's not even a wave in it. It's dungeon. Synth. I don't know. I don't know what vaporwave is. You I only know about vaporwave. Vaporwave. Is that a? Oh, uh, that, that I get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but have I haven't chosen. I'm not 100 percent certain on this. Um, so let's get some shout outs out of the way. Uh, first off, new new season of Mystery Science Theater 2000 is on Netflix. Oh my god, I backed the Kickstarter. It's yeah, so yeah. good. It's funny. It's good. Yeah. It's got uh, Pat, hey, yeah, Pat Oswalt's great. Yep. Who doesn't love Pat Oswalt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jonah is a good host. Uh, the bots are good. Uh, the only the only complaint I have is their their riffing per minute seems a little high in terms of like they don't they're they're I, I don't I don't that may not seem like a bad thing but it's the older ones were a little more relaxed in terms of their pacing of jokes per minute you know this one seems a little like oh we got to get in all the jokes in uh, they're funny jokes uh, no they're good so, they're great riffers um, I don't know maybe that that's that that may be excessively also pathetic. they're on what they're two episodes in well no they got the whole season up well. You can watch all of them right I now. I, 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 I'm going to watch them on movie night. Thank you very much. Uh, well, we, I don't know if we're going to watch We might watch other things. Yeah. Shut up. We Ross. might watch them on our own. You know, <laughs> you have Netflix. You hey, can Ross, watch them. We're, 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 we're giving you a withering glance. All right. That's fair. Uh, Tom, you, uh, you want to talk about a podcast that you've been listening yes, to? Yes. Uh, Radio Free Demos. It is a uh, podcast uh, dedicated to, nothing, to strictly the game Hicks and Dracones. Which yeah. I ran a four-part scenario. Yeah, uh, mini they, campaign. Yeah, they were uh, good enough to interview me for it to yeah. uh, kind of, as I say, not a lot of not a lot of people outside of their you know po- who are you know follow their podcast, run it, play you know play it, or even have heard of it. Yeah, they're trying so they're trying to get the word out. Yep. Yeah. And uh, apparently the the scenarios I ran were quite good, and uh, any questions I might have on the setting or the system. By God, they know. It is one of those, uh, like, well, I wasn't quite sure of this. Like, oh, well, let me let me break that down for you. Like, oh, God. Now so are I'm- these just fans or is this an actual creative team behind it? Um, behind the uh, game. I, oh, uh, this, uh, no, they're not, it's not the creators of the game. Okay, I so think, just I think really dedicated fans. Really dedicated fans, and they know that game inside and out. I would hope so. I mean, if you're going to do a podcast about a subject, yeah, I hope yeah, you would know about you it. You might have noticed, like, on the uh, yeah. some of the comments... On uh, the game, I believe uh, he goes by Faint. Okay. Uh, yeah, there, the comments we had weren't just, hey, I really love this. Oh, this was cool. This was like paragraphs <laughs> of stuff about the game. That's them. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, they, like, so I feel like if I ever have a question, like, I'm just going to, they said, oh, yeah, if you, have, if you ever have a question about the game, just contact us. And like, well, okay. Uh, like, do you know about this? Like, like, well, we've memorized this. We've broken this down into, uh, like, oh, God, you know everything. But no, they're great guys. I still chat with uh, the cool. main guy that does it. Cool. So no, it's great. And if you like the Hicks and Dracones game, uh, give it a listen. They go yeah. over, they go over everything new as it comes out. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, again, I would I would hope that they would know about it. I mean, if you're going to do a podcast about something, like yeah. it would be it would be kind of interesting to hear a podcast about someone doing about something that they don't know anything about it. Like uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, coffee. What do you think about it? I don't know. Really? Is it Trump has a podcast on government? No, no I went there. I yeah. went there. It's done. I feel good. All right. well, you know, I was just going to go for the slam about what are you talking about, Ross? You're on, you're on that podcast, but whoa, whoa, uh, not you. But like sometimes, you know, I know I talk out my ass sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, the the podcast. If it's about a given topic, you should know something about that no, topic. I'll say no. The podcast needs some more love. I mean, it's yeah. They, it's a, pretty much it's about one game. Yeah. Cool. And not, you know, it's not it's not D and D, so 
They're, they're not, it's not a big community, but it's a dedicated. Uh, not D&D. Table flip and walk out. Uh, uh, Dan, you, you had one uh, shout out, right? Yeah. Um, against probably my better judgment in terms of being <laughs> in grad school and wanting to run campaigns and wanting to sleep, um, I got started with a bunch of the other RPPR fans on Conan Exiles. And it's early access. It's $30. Like a week or two ago, it was on sale. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It'll probably be on sale again. Yeah, it'll probably be on sale again. Um, it's in early access stage, so it's pretty rough. Like, the basic game is there. Um, Do you have to pay a monthly fee for it? Or nope. is it just a one-time? Just a one-time. Okay. Um, however, the way the servers, like, you have to set up your own server right now, I guess. Like, there's, so we play on a private server. There are public access servers that I guess are a lot more hardcore. Um, but, <laughs> and probably a lot more Russian hackers. Yeah, probably. Um but the server, the private server that we're on, it plays a lot like, and I jokingly called it before I started playing it, and now I don't jokingly call it <laughs> that, but it's just, you know, I accept it. Now, it's nudist Minecraft. Um, yeah, after seeing some videos of it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, you go out, you harvest materials, you build stuff, you fight monsters off so you can build stuff and be safe from monsters. Um there's things like, you know... Do you, you kill things? Oh, yeah. There's lots of things to kill. You can also kidnap people and take them to a wheel of pain <laughs> and turn them into your slaves. <laughs> like that is, That's totally no, a Conan no. thing oh, to do. Oh, NPCs. NPCs. Okay, I was going to say. That's totally a Conan thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Or as uh, we refer to it on the server, uh, compulsory employment. <laughs> <laughs> Compulsory volunteerism, yeah. Is that, are the, uh, so, aren't those supposed to be grain grinders? Uh, all I know about the game is yeah. the one video I saw of some guy literally turning into a great old one to blow up a player fortress. Yeah, that was probably that was an avatar thing. Yeah, uh, like if you have a high level temple of the three gods that are in it, which are Mitra, Set, and Yogg. Yeah, um, you can summon or become the avatar of one, and then wreck crap. Um, like one of our bases has the max level temple of all three, and so you know, and also the Yog temple. If you use a Yog item on a body to harvest a human body, you can harvest uncorrupted flesh, and then take it to the Yog temple to make blessed flesh. And it's the only food in the game that both restores your food supply and your water supply. So, it's got electrolytes. So blessed and shit. human jerky. Yes, it's it's got electrolytes, and as we yeah. refer to it, it's you have to accept Yog into your stomach. Well, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I know there's only one god I could go to. Set, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, Yog does have tentacles. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, oh, but snake, a, yeah, yeah. Set's a snake god. Uh, so uh, my next uh, shadow is actually Rise of the Dungeon Master, as I. Uh, explained before. I got you have already mentioned it. I did mention the contest. Again, uh, five copies of the book are going to be given out. for Just post your character sheet, D&D, your favorite character, D&D character sheet to the comments of this episode or tweet it at me uh, on Twitter. Uh, but The thing, uh, the thing I you actually, claim to have, but you say we don't? Uh, you don't. You don't use it. It doesn't count unless you actually use it. You know? I used it once. That, I used so it, it doesn't count anymore. I used it three times. It counted that one time you did it, and now it doesn't count. God, this is 
This is not convincing. He, I think he's making this shit up as he goes. As <laughs> hey, well, if you had, if, if you had a car and then you sold it, do you still have the car? No, you don't. So, but I didn't sell it. It's I didn't like, sell it. I still have the. Gave Twitter it up. Account. If you gave it up, if you let it rust on the side of the road, it's. You, but it, if it still functions, it's still a car, and the Twitter thing still functions. Yeah, Ross. I, the mm. Twitter thing. Good job, Tom. Way yeah. to advocate your position. Anyway, I don't need. To uh, let me actually him. review the book. Uh, oh, fine, yeah, you do that. that. I read. Uh, Rise of the Dungeon Master is a. Graphic novel biography of Gary Gygax and Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the creation of it. Uh, so it's uh, it goes into you know not only the creation. How flattering of, are the drawings of Gary? Gygax? Oh, they're pretty realistic. Like okay. it's, it's actually drawn in a very realistic style. Like, okay, um, and it, it it it's interesting because it goes in a second post thing. Like you are Gary Gygax and you are doing this. It's like the dungeon master is describing things to you. Oh, uh, and they, they use that the entire the entire uh, book, which I thought was. Uh, it alternates between describing the history of the game and you know goes into Gary Gygax's background. It's not a like in depth biography. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like his childhood was like this, and blah blah blah. His father was like this, and he. Um, but it goes into it alternates between the history uh, of him and Dave Arneson, the co-creator of the game, uh, and the game itself, how its rise to popularity, what the sci-fi, what the gaming scene was like. Uh, uh, spoiler alert: It was basically historical war games. People were like, "What orcs in my games? Hell no!" And then, like, then they played and like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Um, and then it describes the game itself. So I feel like the. Mm, not only it's a, for you uh, for the you know the average role player the person who actually plays these games those those sections like here's what a role playing game is like here 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 are the basic concepts in it you know like you have attributes that measure your character's strength and intelligence and all that and you kind of go on adventures and you level up and um, that that kind of stuff is very basic but uh, one thing that's a great book to hand out to people who don't understand what role playing games is and see it's a little like this. Uh, but for those of you who are role playing games, you can see some of the like how D and D got big, how they you know screwed themselves over, uh, how Lorraine Williams got control of it, um, and a lot of the other uh, interesting tidbits. Uh, and you and if you more interested in these topics, there are other books that go into way more depth about like how D TSR the company became popular, how it lost its way, uh, and all this other stuff. But it's a good intro. It's a good primer to these topics. And um, you know, again, it's a graphic novel. You know, it's not it's not a it's not a very long read. It's only one volume. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good little uh, intro to a bunch of different subjects. So I liked it. So, anyways, uh, next up, Tom. Yeah, you liked a video game. I do, and uh, I will say, it's been a long time since a game has sucked me in like this one has. It's uh, Stellaris by uh, Paradox Games. Yeah, which I picked up during the big Paradox sale. It is uh, kind of like Master of Orion. It's a uh, like a space empire simulator. The 4X game. Yeah. Uh, it's just the custom ability and replayability of this game is insane. And because you can design your own alien race from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You can determine what they look like. And there's like 40 or 50 different por- animated portraits that you can use for your species. Can you customize those portraits? Can you monster factory it? Uh, no. Not, not interested. Well, uh, but you can you can make mods to have your own. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Nah. Can you upload your own images? Uh, yes, I believe you can. Uh, but yeah, this Ross game Payton is... Uh, prepared to become a horde of aliens. All right. But, uh, well, <laughs> That's the, fair. Well, the thing is, uh, like, they've done... Uh, like, you can actually say, like, you know, I'm going to be a reptilian race who's pacifistic and highly spiritual. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, I'm going to be an insect race that is... 
completely nihilistic and doesn't believe in an afterlife. How about normal human looking? You can play them too. Do you play as normal humans? I have. Well, we didn't stay that way for long because no, that, no, no, no. See, that's another thing that you can do is uh, there's like there are uh, with the new Utopia expansion, yeah, uh, which you should totally get if you're going to play this game. Yeah, there's like uh, ascendant traits. You know, like you can choose traits for your race, but then there, these are like things that give you more. And one is called the flesh is weak. Yeah, which means you augment your entire you know population. You become the Borg. You become cyborgs, but the no, you, but you can go further. Okay. There's another one that you have to do. First, you have to do that. Then you can go further with synthetic evolution. Mm-hmm. You download all of your minds into full robot bodies. Okay. And so, literally, you can then play as a like, you know, like we've abandoned our organic bodies and now we are fully machines. We build populations instead of grow them. Mm. Uh, there's also uh, you can you can design your like your own system, your home planet. And with mods, there's uh, you could actually literally play the uh, this the uh, Citadel of Ricks. Oh yeah, nice. Thog Nugget references from uh, Rick and Morty. Thog Nugget references. Okay, well, it's a Rick and Morty thing. So. Okay, anyone who has watched Rick and Morty will know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. Uh, all right, well, it sounds like a fun game. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's I've played it's like five or six games, full games of it, and I'm like, I still haven't explored everything there is to do here. Cool. It's yeah, it's a pretty cheap game uh, we'll, for a lot we'll, of time. Well, speaking of galactic expanding civilizations, uh, there's another game I'd like to mention: uh, a tabletop role-playing, well, storytelling game, uh, secondly RPG called Microscope, um, and it's about it's a storytelling game along the lines of the Quiet Year, but instead of like telling the story of one community, it's you know basically telling the story of a civilization or a community along a much larger scale. I mean, you can modify it to be. Uh, I played it. Um, to describe a community of small folk, you know, kind of like Fraggle Rock kind of characters. Sure. Um, but you could do it for, you could actually play Stellaris in Microscope. You could be like, here's what happens to these bug people. Um, and <laughs> the mechanics are like, all right, here are the certain, you know, high points or the, the, the important points of the civilization. What happens at this point? You know, basically, oh, here's the Reformation or here's the, the Great War. And here are the characters involved in the Great War. Here's the scene in the Great War, you know, the turning tide of the battle or whatever. Uh, and it's a collaborative storytelling game about you know making a civilization. So it is a great tool to like set up a campaign for an RPG. Like uh, if you want to like do any 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 kind of like non Earth based setting or you know non historical based setting. You know like not the real world. You know like oh it's Earth but you know there's now bug people in it. You could tell that story of the civilization before you started the campaign proper or, you know, Oh, we're a space colonist and we're in, you know, uh, what happens to our space colony over a thousand years? And yeah. So, um, it's quite fun. Uh, nice. we have an AP of it. Uh, we'll post it at some point. Um, finally, a couple of quick other mentions. Uh, one Gaunt zero, uh, is on Netflix. Uh, Gaunt is a crazy ass sci-fi action manga thing uh and now it's it's just fucking it's ridiculous um the basic premise is a bunch of people die uh are then brought to brought back to life by this crazy uh sci-fi thing called the gaunts um and it says all right if you want to keep living you have to kill aliens Uh, i'm going to give you weapons and suits to give you super strength uh and you have to kill 100 points worth of aliens and if you don't, you have to keep doing that until you die or you get 100 points and then you can free yourself or you get a super weapon and keep hunting them if you want to. Um, so 
it, it the story itself is is thousands of pages long, many hundreds of chapters. Uh, but this this is a CGI animated movie that's now on Netflix that I I just want to mention because it kind of makes the the basic premise of Gons it takes a story arc in the middle of the story where there's like uh, it's this massive battle between the hunters and the aliens and like. Uh, and it kind of like here's a normal person who get thrown uh, thrown into the situation. And he has to deal with all these crazy aliens trying to kill him and all these uh, crazy sci-fi bullshit. And it kind of makes it comprehensible. And it kind of has like a, an emotional arc and stuff. Like that. I mean, not real emotional, but like by action movie standards, you know. Uh, ah. And it's got really good CGI. There's actually one of the aliens is basically a Shoggoth. Uh, <laughs> nice, a really crazy ass Shoggoth. Um, and because it keeps changing shapes and keeps, you know, having new boss forms. Um, so it's kind of amazing to, that it can take this shaggy dog, like ridiculous epic length, um, very exploitive, kind of like, oh my God, what the fuck, Gons, uh, story into like a 90 minute movie that has a beginning, middle, and end. And you can understand what's going on from the beginning to the end. I thought that was like, kudos on them for making that, uh, comprehensible. Uh, finally, I also want to mention uh, X Risks uh, for Ecl- Eclipse Phase That's is now out book. in print. Uh, I finally book. got my contributor copy for it. Uh, go buy that book. Uh, some of the writing I'm most proud of in Eclipse Phase is in it. I got to write stuff on the Titans and the Exurgent virus and X Humans. It was really cool. Uh, so, how uh, much time did you spend on writing on Space Whales, Ross? Uh, zero. They, they, it was about monsters. So I know. Uh, that's the next book. Um, and then, of course, uh, I literally today just got a review copy of Bestiary 6 from Pathfinder, for, uh, Paizo Sent. Uh, yep. It's a very pretty-looking book. I have it. It is I, very pretty. Uh, it's got Say a bunch of crazy-ass monsters. It does have some Cthulhu Mythos yeah. monsters. Say what you will about Pathfinder. Their art is awesome. Um, they also do a good job on the writing. The game oh, mechanics yeah. we can argue about, but like they do a good job on the on the flavor text of things. Um, so there's probably some really cool monsters in there. Uh, I just haven't had time to read it because it literally came in today. But I want to give them a mention because thank you for sending me a review copy. Um, so finally, we should do the anecdote, uh, which is, of course, about... Really, I give you an opportunity like this, and you're just like, you're not, what is the anecdote? What game? Base Raiders, Ross. Yes, Base Raiders. You're not going to say it? I... Uh, we, we said base. We said base raiders. Yeah, the base oh. raiders campaign you've been running. Okay. Yeah. Gate nine. Uh, oh, gate nine. Gate nine. Okay. Wait, where did that come from? Uh, all right. Shit. So, yeah. I think we got like a we got a brainworm going on here. Yeah. So uh, we're in the second half of the campaign where the players are trying to deal with yeah. issues outside yeah. of themselves. And I jumped in. Yeah, you. Tom jumped in. Um, Literally. Yeah. Ha ha. He's basically a battletoad. Uh, his character is. Oh, sorry. Ah, Battletoad. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, so every player had a, a subquest to try and you know change the world in some way. Most of it is like stopping some cataclysmic thing from fucking up a bunch of shit. By the way, as I've said, I'm going to say this again. Just yeah. take this moment. I'm amazed the Earth of Base Raiders hasn't been destroyed already. It's like, how do you keep existing with well, so many cosmic how threats? Does, how does all 52 Earths of the DC universe still go on? I don't read those. Because there's a lot of vigilantes with uh, costumes and superpowers stopping shit. It's probably why the government hasn't cracked down. Yeah. They're like, you know, I think this might actually stop the world from ending. Yeah, like, exactly. How many times has the world ended this week? Uh, like, 12. So in one of the more recent sessions, I think the latest one. Yeah, um, the one we did just last week. Yeah. Uh, Tom's character ha- has a quest to fight uh, basically a great old one uh, that I named Demise. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tracked him down to the astral plane. 
Uh, so you guys, yeah. Um, and he found out that he was uh, feasting off the corpse of a the god of uh, a, bureau- a totalitarian bu- bureaucracy. Oh fuck yeah, that was uh, that was good. Yeah, that was good. So yeah, you and, got, uh, uh, Deathstroke was there. Uh, Death token. Death token. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Death token. As the head of the bureaucracy, um, he was wearing so, a suit. So, but yeah, I I put in a morality pet, uh, Dan. Do you want to talk about it? Well, yeah, it was one of those like you know. One of the running sub-jokes of this campaign has always been, hey, everyone now has a chance to close the Aaron Gap. And so <laughs> Caleb got his chance to do it this Oh, time my around. God. Yes, he did. Yeah. Because Ross gave a morality pet. He gave – he uh, one of the entities stuck on they, the bureaucracy. Who are so saying like, well, like, well, well your soul is uh, – like, so your soul is scheduled to be devoured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was the feline undead parliamentary association association okay. yeah. FUPA FUPA yeah. and at that point Caleb's, Caleb was like we will save them at no matter what the cost <laughs> yeah. his eyes went a little wide and he's like I'll kill them all I'll kill everyone at this table for FUPA Ross. Uh, yeah so I made it really easy they, they just had to get past the bureaucracy uh, in order to get to demise, uh, and then I said, "Oh, if you agree with the bureaucracy and let Fupa be devoured, you can just go right on by and have your boss fight." I think I don't think we would have done that, but Kayla was like, "Nay, oh, <laughs> one thousand times nay." Uh, so basically, they had to uh, go on another uh, uh, quest in order to, to the realm of the to the realm of Egyptian gods. Yeah, to basically have someone. Uh, outweigh the bureaucracy, you know, to mm-hmm. basically uh, uh, have an objection and uh, objection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's going to the comic of how to distract an Egyptian goddess. Yeah, shows the goddess there. Then there's a box. Yeah, <laughs> Egyptian goddess gets in the box. Basically, uh, so yeah, so that became a whole thing, and the players only had to you know put their souls at risk in order to do that. So, but well, we you know. but we did it, and it was glorious. It was glorious. And then it was one of those times that you know a PC going full board to save a morality pet didn't blow up in our faces. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, and then we fought, oh, yeah, then we fought. Demise. Well, Sean, I mean, his character suffered quite a bit for that. So oh, he yeah. lost a pinky. <laughs> Explosive. He took pinky. a severe consequence. Yeah. He lost a pinky. <laughs> now, I will Consequences. Say, now, I will say, uh, like, oh, and yeah. then we fought an old one or something. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, yeah, no. the campaign is nearly done. We only have a couple sessions left. Uh, for but, hey, I fulfilled it. my promise to my queen. Yay. Yeah. Now, now, I'm like, now I'm like, now I need to fulfill that other promise that we won't talk about because spoilers. I've already done that. Um, Did you? Yeah. You said you were doing too. Oh, I, I said, yeah, I. I, I didn't have any reason for him not to be able to do it. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you guys have access to a teleporter. It's pretty easy to go anywhere you want. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, so. I mean, yeah. So uh, that's, it's good. I, can't, I mean, the ramifications of that are. It's good. I, I can't exactly. But oh, that's going to be a base raiders campaign all, all of its own. <laughs> yeah, well, come on. I can't exactly fly Delta. Yeah. And I won't fly United. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then again, try, try to drag Kurzak. And the Grimdark Future only United is the no, is say, yeah. literally the only I will way to say, fly. try to drag Kurzak off of a flight. Oh, man. Imagine a Fury Road treatment of like airplane flying. Oh, good God. Like it's, yes. it's united, and you just have to get all shiny and chrome before you board. Uh, and yeah, and then uh, when you take your seat, like witness me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just you know, uh, still haven't seen that movie. It is it, so good. It's pretty good. I own it. We'll watch uh, it. So, but that ends uh, episode one forty one out of the can. Uh, so, so it, this episode's in the can now. Uh, uh, Whoa, you see what he did there? We've gone full circle, folks. Uh, thank you, Dan. I'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Also, K9.